Welcome to episode 26 of the Travelling Wellness Show, and a special edition it is indeed. We live in a world, guys, where many, many people struggle on a daily basis, and this is all despite what your social media walls may show or elude to. Today's guest, Josh Wiggins, represents a growing concern in today's population, having struggled with anorexia and body image issues for a large chunk of his life. On today's show, Josh and I discuss the early detection and warning signs of what could be a problem, the reality of living with an eating disorder, and the effect that this has on our loved ones, muscle dysmorphic disorder, anorexia, calorie observation, the reality of drug use in young gym goers, and the veil of delusion within the media and fitness industry, and why ultimately the industries themselves are largely to blame. Josh can be reached on his new Instagram account at underscore Josh Wiggins and is willing and able to support any of you who are currently struggling with similar life issues and just requiring an open ear. These things don't just go away or get better on their own. So make a choice to live your life abundantly and reach out to those who can help. Today's show is brought to you by our show sponsor, PSE Cell Charge. Your purchase of this life-changing product allows me to travel around telling stories such as today's. And for this, guys, I'm very, very grateful. Thanks to all those who email me with feedback on how Cell Charge is changing the ways they look and feel. And even though I don't always have time to respond to everyone, please know that I read all feedback and love that Cell Charge is affecting so many lives in a positive way. Please enjoy today's show. I'll see you guys on the other side. Cheers. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Right, we're rolling. Welcome everyone to Caravan Conversations. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PSE Supplements. Today I've got a really good old buddy of mine with me. Um, I'm up here in Burley on Queensland Gold Coast and um, I've got a story that I know many, many people will get a lot from. Um, Some people will talk about it, most won't, but the reality is that we've got a really good, realistic conversation today from a guy that I met going back now when he was 16 in the gym and um, I'm one of those guys in the gym, I go in there, I train, I don't like to talk too much, I keep my earphones in and uh, keep it pretty um, pretty basic, but this day I was uh, I was inspired, I saw a kid training with his dad, uh, one of the skinniest kids I've ever seen, but seriously had uh, honestly undoubtedly some of the best muscle quality that I'd ever seen, and I felt uh, absolutely a, a need to go and talk to this kid and his dad, so I did, I walked up and I asked his dad, um, you know, um, who was doing his training and how long he'd been training for, and I uh, got given the answer that it was all a home job, and they were just sort of in there having some father and son time, which I thought was cool. But um, it was obvious to me that Josh was after some uh, some help, and uh, all he wanted to do was get some traps so he could play footy. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a bodybuilder on the making, but uh, Josh just wanted to play footy. He just wanted to run shit up hard and, and not get broken. So uh, in the next sort of, uh, I don't know, four to six months, um, how much weight did we pile on you? I uh, went from 47 to 72. 
Yeah, good. So, you know, 25, 30-odd kilos piled on, which was awesome. And uh, Josh got out there and played footy, which was nice. But we're not here to tell that story today. Um, today's a very different story, in fact. And it's the, the story of, um, of a young man who now at 23 has got the courage to come out and um, tell all of us that he was struggling. And um, I didn't know this. There was a lot of suffering happening at the time. Um, no doubt a lot of impact on the family as well, which we'll also discuss in relevance to uh, Josh's story. But... If you see Josh these days on social media, um, he's a very good trainer. He does a lot of online programming, um, very much worth getting in contact with if you uh, want to know how to train right and, and get some great gains with sports-specific uh, work that you're wanting to do. He's got a big passion for uh, American football and has travelled over to the States and spent a lot of time over there and brought back uh, his findings now into Australia where there's definitely uh, a niche for his work. Um, but uh, Josh, as I alluded, um, had struggled for a long time uh, with anorexia. And as you can imagine, as a 23-year-old man now, it's not the kind of story that most 23-year-old blokes are pumped on talking about. Uh, there's always a, a high level of you know, self-shame and stuff attached to these stories. But in, uh, in true sporting fashion, uh, Josh has had the wisdom to understand that telling his story will undoubtedly help many, many, many others. Uh, and inspire other guys uh, who were in similar position, um, similar positions, I should say, with body dysmorphia to to come out, um, you know, tell their story, get the help they require, and uh, live the lives they uh, deserve to live. So, welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you very much. Welcome Shannon. to the PSC Caravan. <laughs> Love it. So we're all bunkered down with the aircon on. You guys shouldn't uh, get anything but great audio today. So, um, what we'll do, Josh, is. Go back to that time in the gym, you know. Um, I saw you flying 22-kilo dumbbells, you know, and uh, you had the world's smallest frame, 47 kilos. You know, a lot of guys struggle to fly 22 kilos anyway, which was the reason I intervened because I knew you'd probably break something in the uh, in the process of trying to put on some muscle. But um, you were struggling then. I was struggling uh, very hard. So I'd been working, um, working out for over a year. Yep. Um, and just going backwards. So I think I started working out at 55 kilos and, and went down to 47. Went on the um, typical magazine protein-only diet um, and just became obsessed with and obsessed with controlling the foods. Yeah. Um, training, I just wanted to go balls to the wall, lift as much as I could because I thought that would put on some size, but obviously went the other way. Yeah. And the results that we got when I intervened was we halved your training, correct? Yeah. Yep. Focused on your calories and all this weight came on, which was cool. But tell us... Um, at what point, like you were 16 then, right? So yep. at what phase did you realize you have a problem? Because, you know, if you look up body dysmorphia, um, even on the internet now, you start to realize that really you can apply it to 85% of young guys <laughs> that train, right? Yep. Except for the fact that, you know, there's got to be you know, a certain level of, of structured training for hours per day. But, you know, the use of protein shakes and, you know, looking in mirrors and having, you know, a, a high level of, um, I guess, self that's attached to how they look yep. um, that will therefore uh, make them feel good enough and be able to approach the world in a comfortable and confident fashion. At what, at what time did you realise that you actually did have an issue and it wasn't just a normal 16-year-old obsession? All right. So my um, family were constantly picking me up on it. Um, I had an older brother that went through the same thing at the age of 13, so they knew the signs, they uh, knew what to look for. Yep. Um, but I denied it, denied, denied, denied. I was in denial. I didn't believe what they were saying. Um, I guess it was more at school that I started to realise, you know, I don't have as much energy as the other guys. I'm falling asleep in classes, which I wanted to pay attention to. Um, and it wasn't until, I guess, towards the end of year 10, one of my teachers called my mum and just said, what's what's going on? Um, and that's when I realised I had a problem. Yeah. 
Okay, and so how, how difficult was that conversation to have? Um, it was probably one of the most difficult conversations in my life. Um, I never, you know, like to hurt anyone or see anyone upset, but my mum was just in, in tears and, um, you know, shouting at me and, you know, you idiot, how could you do this to yourself? And she wasn't angry at me. I guess she was more disappointed that she hadn't done something about it sooner. Yeah, and um, poor mum was also living in the memory of what had happened with your bro as well. Exactly, exactly. So very hard for her and I, I wish to this day that I'd never put myself through that and put my family through that but yeah. I guess I had no control over it at the time no control over being in control of yeah. the food which is hard right yeah being in control <laughs> makes us feel safe which is a, a fundamental foundation of what we seek as people let, yeah. let alone young boys totally so how, how did life change for you from that point where you sort of put your hand up and said yep yeah, I've got issues all right so we we actually went down to a hospital in Newtown um, to have a uh, meeting I guess with a psychologist about dysmorphia um, I went into the office and lied my way through the entire conversation. As anyone with dysmorphia would. <laughs> yep. I had already uh, researched, I guess, all of the um, the symptoms. Yeah. Didn't admit to any of those symptoms in the conversation. So I, I guess I tricked tricked the psychologist into saying, like, I'm fine and this is more of a stress-related thing. Um, I guess she, she actually thought that my mum was more stressed than me being sick, so she thought the issue was with my mother. But mm. that wasn't the case. I was just a good liar at the time. Um but I made it a mission to, to improve myself. I didn't want to do it in the hospital. I saw my brother go through that whole process. I'm scared of needles. <laughs> so I didn't want any of that More to the point. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically I made a deal with my mum. She, she banned me from any form of exercise, any gym. Um, and every Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock, first thing upon waking, we had to weigh me. Um, and if I hadn't gained any weight, there was another week of no exercise. So... When I started gaining weight, that was, you know, I could go to the gym once a week. Yeah, The next week, I could start going to the gym twice a week and and so on. So, um, obviously motivated, had your diet, the two cups of uh, cooked grains, 100 grams of meat, and pretty much followed that for over a year. Um, And, yeah, um, started off the first couple of weeks, I literally put on like four kilos a week. Yeah. Four kilos, three kilos, two kilos. Obviously, it goes down as you don't need to put on as much, but, yeah, it was great. I got up to the point where I could train four or five times a week. Energy um, improved at school, cognition improved, you became more functional? Yep, yep, totally. So I ended up actually uh, becoming the ducks of my high school and I, I put that completely down to being able to eat and focus and understanding the power of foods, I guess, with cognition. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess the not as important, but the gains in the gym were there. Um, I, I had more friends again, like I, I was very guarded and uh, isolated when I was suffering, but I was opening up a bit more and more and meeting new people. So I guess, yeah, everything just improved. We all understand the basic algorithm, okay, of, of weight gain in, in, in situations like anorexia, you know, like uh, train less, eat more, it makes sense, right? Yep. So you start piling on four kilos a week, um, which actually goes against what it was you were trying to achieve beforehand. Yep. How yep. did you deal with that? Because we're talking about a psycho-emotional condition here, yep. right? It's yep. not like where someone decides just to drop their calorie intake for the sake of good health. You know, yep. this this is a process where the disease is between your ears yep. and the outcome of it is how you live and how you eat. So tell me how you dealt with the actual process of putting that food in the body now. I guess I was a bit more um, obsessed with the exercise than I was with the foods in the end. Um, and when exercise was taken away, I had to do whatever it took to get back to, to get that. Back, because yeah. And I'm still an exercise addict, but I just control it now and make sure that I'm eating enough to suffice what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it was more just about getting back into exercise. I did have control over what foods I was eating, so I made sure that they were always healthy foods because mm. I'm very anxious about you know unhealthy foods like junk food, chocolate, sweets, uh, fast food. So as so long as I didn't have to eat that and I could eat any healthy food I chose, it was okay. It wasn't wasn't as stressful as I, I'd imagined at the start. Yeah. yeah. And, and was this news at the time something that was just uh, an, an intra-family type affair or was this stuff you shared with friends? Just intra-family. None of my friends knew about it and probably only found out about it when I uh, made that video a couple of months ago just talking about mental health. So tell us about that. So that, that's obviously what prompted me to reach out to you about doing um, today's podcast. But, you know, I'm um, speaking just personally. You and I have had a long history together. Yep. And uh, I've treated you. I've treated your wife. Yep. And this never even came out in clinical consultation yep. years later, right? So yep. you, you did a fucking good job, mate, of hiding it. Well done. <laughs> but um, tell me, I want to know what it was because I was intrigued. Um, I, I, I look on Facebook and there's this seven, eight-minute video of you pouring your heart out. Um, what made it? A, a process now that you wanted to run down why did you want to tell this story look to be honest um a, a best friend of mine that I'd known for a long time actually took his life a couple of days before I made that video mm. um, and it was very hard news to take particularly because I moved to Queensland hadn't seen him for about six months yeah um and yeah just to find that out when I never knew that he was suffering and I guess the fact I never knew he was suffering I I just wish that I could have helped like I wish if I had have known maybe I could have done something yeah um, and I thought this 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 is just what I know. Like the Central Coast is a very small community. This could be happening on a global scale to lots of different people. So, if I can get a message out there that it's okay to speak up and tell your friends, uh, possibly some people would share with each other and and they'd get the help that they needed before, you know, suicide is final. You can't do anything after that. You've, mm -hmm. you've taken your own life. Maybe someone can intervene and help you if they know. And what's the uh, what's the outcome been since that video? What kind of response have you got? I actually had an overwhelming uh, number of messages from people that I'd never met before and I guess that's the, the goal is to reach as far and wide as I can but um, for example messages saying because of you I'm going back to rehab for this or because of you I've, I've just opened up to my family and told them this and it wasn't just mental health you know people were telling me uh, they were too afraid to admit that they were gay um, that they had a gambling addiction like lots of just random things yeah um, but I got to respond and communicate to lots of different people and it it felt good for me to know that, yeah, I think I have actually helped some people. Mm. Um, and even my, my brother's girlfriend, um, I I spoke to her about a month ago and she said because of me she's going back to study. Um, she's sick of her work, she's been in denial about that. Um, so she's going back to study and, and make more of herself. So that, I guess it showed me that I, I did the right thing putting that video out there. I think I inspired a lot of people. Mm which was the overall goal, and I, I hope that uh, people continue to watch it, and I hope that people continue to get the help they need. I think it's overwhelming how many uh, and how much, uh, how many and how much people are suffering yep. just in today's day, you know, and uh, I think that social media certainly pulls the blanket over our uh, faces to a large degree because we only see what people want us to see. It's but, a highlight reel. <clears throat> well, it is, yeah, you know, and, and there's lots of great highlights, which is nice, but... Um, I think when you start to uh, analyse why you do what you do, yep. um, you know, for you, training was actually an obsession yep. rather than something that was strategic, yep. like I know it is for you these days. Yep. Um, have you had any other issues with obsession or any issues since being 16 and recovering um, with anorexia? I guess um, probably still more the exercise. It, it, it did make me anxious whenever I had to take a break for injury or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, not necessarily. I really feel 
good now. I'm in a good place. I, I go to work happy. I come home from work happy. Go to the gym happy. Come home from the gym happy. I'm eating lots of food. Yeah. Um, still, and I can never eat enough now. I'm scared about losing weight, so I guess it's an obsession to maintain or put on weight and not lose it. So, yeah. Um, Benefit of being an ectomorph, mate. Yeah. And young. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait till you hit 40, it changes. You've got to work <laughs> twice as hard. <laughs> then you can start worrying about your calories again. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, tell me, uh, what prompted you move up here to the Gold Coast? Uh, we were looking for a new adventure, so uh, my wife and I eloped in Byron Bay in January. Uh, didn't tell anyone. Just mm, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Just came up here with some witnesses, but then we had to go back in and settle back into the reality of the Groundhog Day jobs that we were working. And I was coaching and absolutely loving it, but I think it was time for a new adventure for us. And yeah, we started to pack everything into the car, move 12 hours north and try to find jobs and somewhere to live. Um, and it's been a great adventure for us. I mean, you see today is beautiful and sunny. Not that the Central Coast wasn't, but you, you just can't match the Mate, Gold it's Coast every day. weather. <laughs> yeah. It's every day. It's why, it's why I'm back here. Yeah. You know? it's, uh, <clears throat> didn't come back to see you, mate. Just come back for the weather. Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> Make you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, um, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you, um, how much of what you do now with others is motivated by um, your own... Um, newfound experience and education? Because I would imagine when you start talking about, oh, look, I feel really good about food now and I eat lots, that would be, a lot of that would be found on the fact that you are educated in food these days, yep. right? Yep. So what are you training at uni? Give people an idea what you're training now. Okay, so I've um, finished my exercise sports science, or well, almost finished my exercise sports science. Yep. I've also done a degree or di- uh, advanced diploma in human nutrition. Yep. Um, and I'm two years into a physiotherapy degree. So I put that one on hold while I finish exercise sports science and... Um, I'll just yeah keep going through those and whether or not I get careers from that or not I'm not worried I just oh, you will <laughs> like to be uh, like to be educated and to be able to help people so how much back to my question how much has your education personally yep. been able to help you to be okay with eating foods and training and understanding strategy versus emotion with um, with what you do Oh, a hundred percent. Like if, if I wasn't educated, I'd probably still be obsessive about the things that I didn't know. But now that I understand what's going on, I, I do my best to follow, to follow what I've learned and to follow what I preach to other people. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, I don't know how many calories a day I would have been eating back when I was 16, but probably, you know, less than a thousand. Yeah. Um, I'm eating 5,200 calories a day now and, and loving it. So. Yeah, yeah. And lean as and building muscle and yep. feeling good. Yep. yep, so it's just, I guess, um, the more you know and the more you preach, you, you have to stick to it yourself. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, just how much that learning process aids it because when yep. you start looking at things like anorexia, it, it, it doesn't affect um, adults at the same rate as it does kids, right, or yep. teenagers yep. Um, for, for a variety of reasons, which we won't necessarily need to explore. But I think that um, for me, yep. the... The, the greatest gains to, to be made in the education system, certainly school. You know, yep. it's been one of my uh, massive aims for a long time to actually get into school, whether it's into like PDHPE or, or one of those places where I can actually get, you know, like um, 16, 17-year-old girls particularly, you know, yep. and certainly boys because that's why I got you here. People don't yep. always think anorexia and men. We'll get to that in a moment. Yep. But um, I think that uh, to get in there and actually teach people strategy around food, strategy seems to dissolve emotion. Uh, It tends to take away that ignorance, which makes us make obviously ignorant decisions about what we do, what we eat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Where are your thoughts on that as far as educating the young? I think it's uh, absolutely crucial. I didn't receive much of an education in terms of 
food and I guess strategic uh, eating and I guess you know the 16 year olds don't need to worry too much about the strategic eating but at least understanding uh, what foods can do do what for the body and what are important and what we must uh, what's essential what we must eat um, we were always just shown the uh, the healthy food pyramid uh, 1800 to 2000 calories a day is the average daily recommended intake so that meant nothing to us. Yeah, it's a two-piece feed, mate, and a yeah. couple apples. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously know, particularly uh, young girls I've worked with over the years, who view it that way. Yeah. I can get you know, 12, 1,300 calories a day. I had a girl who used to treat for severe eczema, uh, who um, obviously with eczema I had to go through a body and work out you know, where's, yeah. where's the allergy coming from and why such a toxic environment. But uh, she didn't eat all day, yeah. so she could eat KFC in the afternoon. It's a true story because she worked out that it was, you know, 875 calories or whatever yep. and that she could have that and then, you know, a little bit of this, a yep. little, little bit of chocolate, for instance. Yep. Talk about if it fits my macros, you know, it was like the classic way of just jamming it into what was, you know, regarded as a, a normal caloric ingestion. When I told her otherwise and explained that we'd need to get her diet right in order to fix the skin, it yep. was almost like you could see a head spin, yep. Yep. which is quite damning, right? People don't realise, a lot of people um, follow the if it fits your macros, which can be done amazingly well if you do that with um, healthy foods. But a lot of people, you know, they, they use the donuts and fast food or whatever to make up their calories, mm. but they don't realise what they're doing to themselves internally. It might be good for weight loss or weight gain, if those sorts of goals, but uh, your digestion, your uh, inflammation within the body, those sorts of things, um, your longevity and your health, you know, you're going to, I mean, that girl had eczema, her skin was showing her, the problems associated with eating she just didn't realize it was associated with eating so um, for anyone listening uh, if it fits your macros can be done well just make sure you're eating healthy foods and and making common sense choices i find a lot of the people that actually uh, utilize that protocol um uh, i know a lot of them personally and some of them have got relatively large social media statuses and, and i know for a fact that most of them will still eat extremely well six days a week and might run the, you know, if it fits your macros protocol, which is the rest of their week as well, with yep. non-healthy foods, say on what they might consider their off day or whatever, yep. um, but it's always the off days they seem to post. And then, yep. of course, some people pick up on that and think, oh, they eat shit all day long, but yep. it doesn't necessarily work that way, right? No, definitely not. And and another thing um, that's obviously big in the world today is artificial drug use mm. and a lot of people don't realize that these people are taking these things so they're they're eating like them trying to replicate their their bodies or their results but they don't have the endocrine function these people have got yeah exactly exactly yep. so if if people are more honest about that and I've, I've done a blog on this on my rise and grind athletics website before if people were more honest about what they're taking they don't need to be ashamed of it but just a little bit more honest um, we would have a much more educated society who looks up to these people i personally think those people have a responsibility yep. if i'm to be honest you know i'm what made i'm more for steroid use if that's what you want to do i think yep. it's uh it's a personal choice i know this is slightly off topic but i think that anyone that goes to a gym and lifts weights will come and particularly men will always come to a point where they've got to ask the question yep. you know am i going to use anabolics or am i not you know um i don't think that uh you know i don't make the decision whether it's right or wrong i work with a lot of people that use um, synthetic drugs yep. uh, I'm alright with that I just need to know about it so yep. I can structure things accordingly for them but um, you're right it does lead people up the garden path and I guess that's a good conversation we have now um, I can't believe the amount of young kids and I'm talking 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids hitting, hitting gear in the gyms yep. these days you yep. know um, 
talk about body dysmorphia. Like it's 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 you know like that was back when I was a kid, which you know is a long time ago now. But um, you know people weren't hitting gear until I was sort of you know early to mid twenties, yep. um, and they'd had three, four, five years of good solid training up their sleeve, and they yep. basically used steroids as a way to um, bridge a gap between what they were and what they were trying to achieve, yep. and there was some level of structure around it. Um, these days, I find though that um, everyone carries this more is merrier mindset. You know, two mils is better than one, three mils is better than two type scenario, yep. three drugs is better than one drug. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, cycles now are dragging out longer and longer. And, um, you know, I think it's um, becoming uh, quite damning. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it goes back to what we spoke about before, just the education. Um, you know, obviously the 14, 15, <coughs> 16-year-olds don't realise that there's a certain level that they should get to first naturally, mm. what their body's capable of before they consider any of that sort of use. But they're not educated. The drugs are readily available. There's, you probably find someone in almost every gym that would readily sell it to you because they're going to make profit from it. Yeah. They don't really care about your health. They don't care about your results. They want the money. Mate, I'd love to have the testosterone levels of an 18-year-old again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. That would be like steroids for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a real issue, you know, and I think that uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it leads to issues around um, around eating uh, and eating patterns like um, like what you dealt with, but it certainly goes hand in hand in many ways, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, it's the same thing. It, it's the same thing, just a, I guess a different outlook of it. It's an obsession. Mm. It's an obsession. We, it's bigorexia. That's the name for it. Uh, yeah. Bigorexia, you know, bigger is better um, and never satisfied. So that's when they start adding extras and extras. And as you said, they go from one drug to three drugs because bigger is better. So tell us, um, what would the normal signs be? So if we've got like a mum listening or a dad listening or even you know, just anyone listening, it doesn't really matter too much, but yep. what would be the normal um, early detection signs that your child, your friend, your mate, whatever, might might have um, some kind of eating disorder like anorexia? Yep. Um, for me, it was I tried to eat in private, um, yep. tried to hide. Obviously, we have um, family dinner, but I tried to even cover my food with like napkins and things like that. Uh, cutting food up really small. Um, to make it, you know, feel like you're eating more, even if you're having the smaller meals. Um, and I guess for friends at school, I threw a lot of my lunches in the bin and no one noticed. But if if you see someone doing that, um, just maybe ask them the question, are they okay? Um, so, yeah, I guess I was mostly anxious and um, hidden when it came to food intake um, and very controlling. So uh, when mum was in the kitchen preparing food, I was basically watching everything that she did. Is there, you know, too many carbohydrates in this? Is she using too many fats? Is, yeah, I was um, very close to the kitchen and both um, close to food and far from food at the same time, I think. Mm. Yes. No doubt this is a place too where the whole uh, fats are bad mindset comes from. Yep. Having nine calories per gram versus four from carbs and protein. Yep. If you want to cut your calories, you cut your fats, right? Yep, yep. Hey, um, tell me, what what was the effect? I want to know what the effect was on the family unit, you know? Like, how did it affect your brother, who'd been through it and then thinks, shit, now my little bro's got it, you know? How did yep. it affect your mum, who was obviously pulling her hair out? What did dad do? Like, how as a family do you deal with this, and what was the impact on the family unit as a whole? So my, my older brother, um, firstly, was, I guess he was trying to be more of a coach, uh, a life coach or a health coach. So he was, you know, telling me, you know, come on, mate, you got to eat this. Um, one of his quotes was, if you don't eat, you don't shit. And if you don't shit, you die. So that, <laughs> something that he, he, uh, he told me quite a lot. Um, you know, what my, a champion. That's a good one. <laughs> very basic, but true. It's true. Um, my other brother, uh, very much the same, trying to be more of the health coach. So they weren't really stressing out. They were just saying, hey, why don't you do this? I'm making, you know, friendly brotherly suggestions. Yeah. Um, whereas my mum was just a 
you know, stress head. She would lose it at me, yell at me for not eating. Um, you know, Very emotional. Get emotional all yep. the time. You know, uh, it used to make me feel horrible. Like I'd wake up in the morning and she'd say, oh, I didn't sleep all night. I was up all night worrying, that sort of thing. So mm. uh, very stressful for her. My stepdad um, was very much the same as my brother's. He's like, come on, didn't understand. Like, come and just eat. Like, yep. why can't you just eat this? What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, whereas, you know, I didn't live with my dad, but I still visited my dad every uh, weekend or second weekend. Um, and he had had back and forth communication from my mum, like what I'd been doing, what I'm not allowed to do anymore. Um, and I guess he was a more relaxed he he knew that there was a lot of stress at home um so he wanted to try to take that away and just subtly add foods to my to my plate and it was working you know he um i think his approach was a bit better for me um and that's why we started you know going to the gym together and stuff because he was you know come on mate just eat a little bit more but it's different coming from him than it is from my brothers yeah um so i did listen to that approach whereas the the stressed and an anxious and emotional um, approach from my mother wasn't helping me. It made me a bit more anxious, and it's not her fault. She's been through it before. Yeah, she did emotional what she could. time, exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, lots of different um, things to deal with at the different houses. Mm. Um, but I think they all helped shape, I guess, my recovery too. All of those approaches. How did the support, particularly from your brothers, help you in your recovery? Because once the once you know we come out of the closet, so to speak, with this big secret, you yep. know what I mean, and it becomes something that um, even just uh, intra-family, it's a, it's an acknowledgement. Yeah, I'd imagine it allows you to exhale to some degree, yep. right, and go, oh, you know, like it's not a secret anymore. Start to feel better. Yeah. Um, how integral was that level of support from your bros, sort of saying, "Come oh, on, mate, this," and like dad helping you along. Yep. How integral was that in your recovery process? Oh, it was uh, amazing and absolutely vital. I think once I started putting the weight back on, you know, just um, they offered me a lot of support. So, uh, just compliments, I guess, compliments from your brothers, mate. You're looking good. Um, you know, looking muscly, getting stronger. Um, I guess just all those sorts of things. It might sound very little to uh, people listening to this, but for me, who had been self-shaming and, and uh, self-pity and talking down on myself, to hear these things from people that I look up to, yeah, it drove me to, to keep eating more and to keep improving and, and to keep hearing that feedback and all those comments and, and to that good feeling that you just get from someone saying, hey, mate, you're doing really well. Um, hence, hence why keeping it a secret and not coming out there and talking with people keeps it so insular yep. that you never get any of that encouragement, yep. right? Yeah. And hence why so many people suffer. And by the time you're 35 kilos being tube fed in hospital, yep. uh, it's a much more serious disease with muscle atrophy and all different sorts of things, you know, organ atrophy yep. that can obviously take your life. Yeah. Um, what would your suggestions be to, you know, anyone out there now who may think they may have an issue or some of what you're saying and what we're discussing may resonate with them what would be your your sort of early stance for these people uh very rich for me to say but try to talk about it um just recognize that hey maybe something's going on even if you think it's something very small yeah um talk to someone that you trust whether it's your parents your siblings a best friend or or a healthcare professional um so firstly talk about it Secondly, what worked for me was just setting small goals. So obviously for me, it was the gain weight to get to the gym. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about training, but just set small goals. I love goals the way your mum uh, dangled the carrot in front of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it she might have been anxious about it, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, you're not going to the gym unless you eat more food. All yep. right, I'll eat more food. Yeah. No, it, oh, it definitely worked. So yeah, just set little goals for yourself, um, even if no one knows about those goals, because um, it's a little milestone for yourself every time you can tick one off. So 
for someone with anorexia, if it's you ate a, a piece of bread today, yeah, um, it's probably a poor food poor choice, choice yeah. example. But you ate something today that you wouldn't have eaten when you were suffering. That's a that's a, amazing. Like well done. That's a milestone. So talk to people, set little goals, uh, and recognize that you have the problem. Yeah. I think. Um, and yeah, once you recognize and you, you seek advice and you get the education, you can definitely go on the path of fixing it yourself so you can still be in control, Yeah. which we all know that's that's what you want to do when you're, when you're suffering. You want to have control over everything, but education is power. If you've got that education, you've got the help, you've got people in your corner, you can take control of your own life and get yourself out of it. And anorexia in men, mate, um, I haven't prepared for today. I haven't looked at <laughs> statistics or anything, in case you yeah. can't tell. But um, you know, what, what's the what are the stats? I'm sure you've looked into it. Um, I know most people would look at anorexia as you know, like a younger female type disorder. Do you know how prevalent it is in men, or, or how many men have come out and spoken to you since your video, or or the like? Yeah, well, lots of lots of men came out and spoke to me after the video and and asked me similar questions like, "What's your advice? What can I do?" Yep. Um, I think. Not that I know the statistics either, but I think for females around the ages of 12 to 14, 15, um, it's most prevalent. But actually around the 16 to 18 mark, men suffer more than women. Yeah. But they don't speak about it and it goes undiagnosed and, and that's why the statistics I don't think would truly reflect what's going on. Yeah. Um, and it, it is big in males. They they see the movies, the you know the action heroes that are ripped, ripped to the bone and massive and muscular and, and why don't I look like that? Mm. Um, so it's a massive obsession for men, and um, yeah, I guess we're we're too tough and too proud to talk about it, um, too ignorant to admit that we've got a problem. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, my advice to any you know sixteen or seventeen year old is even if you're a male, you can talk about things. Yeah. So, so how much do you believe the facade represented in the media? is responsible for where we are now. The media's there to sell new idea magazines, right? Not going to put Brad Pitt on the front with a gut. They're going to put him on there with a six-pack, right? Because yep. that's appealing to the girls, it's appealing to the guys, yep. okay? So how much responsibility lays on the powers that be out there in the world of marketing, do you believe, uh, as to you know why we find ourselves in this situation now in 2016? Yeah, I, w- I would say almost almost 90% to 100% of the problem would, would come down to the media and movies and those sorts of things. And yep. Um, and it's everywhere. You can't, you know, twelve-year-olds have iPhones with Instagram, and they're following these accounts of these women who have these amazing lives and these ridiculously good bodies. They don't realise that they're photoshopped and airbrushed, and yeah. again, that it's a highlight reel. The social medias. Um, so yeah, it's not just the magazines and the newspapers that are editing photos to make these celebrities look thinner or these new mums look thinner or ridiculous. But it's also you can't go on Facebook without seeing a photo of someone with an amazing body. Um, you can't go on Instagram, you can't go on Twitter without seeing some sort of thing or YouTube now is becoming a lot more prevalent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think it's the whole mentality of if they can look that way, so can I. But it's the lack of education that leads to the problem. Yeah. You see them look this way, but you don't understand that there's um, some behind the behind the computer work going on here. Um, and... You know, for for females, I guess the only option to get that skinny body is to starve themselves. Yep. Um, which is not true. It's not the case. But that's that's the mentality. Um, and for you know, for men, um, to get the to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and those sorts of guys. Yeah. Um, it's the um, got to go into the gym six hours a day, um, eat protein, protein only. Um, and if that doesn't work, I'll take 
some synthetic drugs or something like that. So I think the whole image and trying to replicate the image is a major reason why we have a problem. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the media will ever stop publishing those sorts of photos. I think it's funny, though, that the reality you just pointed out then, you get these young guys that will starve themselves and try to look like someone who's doing the opposite of them, <laughs> hence the lack of education, right? Yeah. So whether that person's taking steroids or not is kind of by the point, but yep. they're in there, they're deadlifting, they're squatting, they're benching, they're military pressing, they're doing big compound movements, yep. they're eating enough protein at least to you know saturate some sort of likelihood of protein synthesis, yep. You know they're eating enough fats because they're mindful of the fact that fats are vital for you know hormonal synthesis and the like. So you often find that a lot of these people that have got the desirable bodies actually have the information as well Uh, and they've got there through that point and the people that are following them are those that actually don't have the information and make ignorant decisions thinking that it's the right thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I'd like to, uh, I guess, dedicate this uh, podcast and or shout out to the people out there who have a voice in social media. You're one of them and you're obviously making a splash now, which is great, but the guys out there that have got the rigs, you know, that have got the big followings on social media and whatnot, I think owe it to, you know, society to... Tell the correct story. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And, and let it be known what they do. And you know what? I've got mates that use steroids. Um, um, that's you know, it's reality. It's good. I don't yep. mind. Um, but uh, it's funny that like my my closest mates, they're open about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, use a bit of this, use a bit of that. They'll tell you about it. They'll even tell people you know like how to source the stuff if yep. they need. Yeah. Not naming names, of course. <laughs> but my point is, it's a realistic view yep. of why I look why I look. Yep. Versus, you know, you know, hey, I look this way and, and I don't do anything. I don't know when like Sylvester Stallone came to the country, he got done getting you know, with drugs. Jean-Claude Van Damme got done with drugs. Yep. Pretty much everyone I know in that position, yep. you know, not only are they using synthetics, but they're also using Botox and they're having facelifts and all yep. sorts of shit, you know. So yep. I think that, um, you know, we, we have a right as people to tell the correct story, to be um, openly transparent about, you know, why we look 40 when we're 60. Do you know what I mean? Like, what does George Clooney do? What does, yep. you know, what do these people do to look how they look, you know? And yep. uh, I think that um, you make a very valid point. Clean eating uh, leads to longevity through, you know, cellular function and, and, and uh, anti-oxidation and anti-glycation and all those things. But I think that um, we have to start looking at why, as a society, we make decisions through ignorance. Yep. I think we live in such a time right now, particularly with the internet, where there's no reason to be ignorant yep. is there yep. you know like information's just disposable it's, it's there everywhere google it it takes two seconds exactly which is why i love you know when you say like talk about it you know we need open forums we need people to get out there like yourself who can go you know what guys like this is where it's at and uh openly and freely exchange information around food around training tips around all that advice that yep. may prompt these people to move next level you know yep. and um and you know, move to a point where they're functional, happy. And it's funny, you know, thinking about social media. I want to um, shout out to uh, Chris Jenkins, who you, you and I both know, but yep. I don't know if you know. Sort of, you know, oh, ten, twelve months ago, he was, um, you know, working with a, a young guy with anorexia. You probably saw that on um, on social media. Um, you know, a bad case, hospitalised, tube fed, the whole deal. And I think to myself, you know, had someone like he had the information um, from someone like Chris or someone else who could have led him in that right direction, yep. could the position he is in now, could that have been changed? I, I feel like yes. If if I had have um, had that help from someone such as Chris, who's done amazing in the bodybuilding world, um, who's someone that I would want to be like, uh, mm. if I had that advice before I had a problem, I probably wouldn't have had the problem. Mm. Um, but I didn't understand how to get to that body and, and that's where the problem uh, 
arised. And at least with the information, you can then make decisions about whether that's the kind of lifestyle you want for yourself, exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Look, it's been awesome having you on the show, Josh. Thanks um, for having me. I want to ask you a couple of questions, mate. The first one is, um, if we've got any listeners on the show today um, who this story resonates with, um, either for themselves or, you know, a sibling or a, whatever else it might be that someone else they know may be able to help you, firstly, can they contact you? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we won't give them your phone number, but uh, have you got like a, an email um, they might be able to um, contact you at? Yeah, definitely. So um, they can jump on the website, yep. www.riseandgrindathletics.com. So it's um, Rise, R-I-S-E. Yep. And A-N-D. And, yep. Grind, G-R-I-N-D. Yep. Athletics.com. Athletics.com. And, um, our Facebook is the same name. Instagram's the same name. My personal email address is hello at riseandgrindathletics.com. Uh, very welcoming. Um, so you can contact me on any of those platforms and, and if they need a rise, I'll give you my phone number and we will call and have a conversation about this and I'm more than happy to do so. My mission is not to make the most dollars in the world, it's to help the most people that I can. Beautiful. Um, That's a good mission, mate. Yeah. But um, I just want to say too, guys, straight off the bat, I know this will make Josh feel comfortable. Um, Josh is not an expert in uh, anorexia or, or eating disorders. Um, he's just a bloke that's dealt with it, you know, yeah. and he's a guy who's recovered from it more importantly and he's a guy that looks unbelievable he's got one of the best rigs you've ever seen uh and he's done it the right way so um you know to have someone like josh who's willing to give you their time give you that little bit of a leadership and support um you know i would most definitely be making the most of that um, on another level josh people who are listening who have got no interest whatsoever in uh, anorexia that doesn't affect them personally yep. uh, who are looking at improving their physique dropping body fat putting muscle on etc tell us what you offer um so basically i offer structured diet plans through my studies in human nutrition um, training programs for any sort of goal and any sort of body type. I'm lucky that I dealt with what I dealt with because I understand the ectomorphic body type and, and how to train it. Yeah. So do um, you specialise then in hard gainers? Do you specialise in people that have a difficult time putting weight on or not necessarily? Look, I'd like to think so, but yeah, not necessarily. Um, th- I guess that was my aim when I started was to help that body type, but now it's, as I said, to help as many people. So uh, whether it's sports specific or just, I guess, you want to be generally healthy um, and fit and active and live that active lifestyle, I'm, I'm here to help, whether that's through a diet or a training program or both or a one-on-one training. Um, that, that's the sort of services that I offer. Yeah, cool. So what's the, what's the future hold for Josh Wiggins? I would like to build up Rise and Grind Athletics and, and take it internationally and globally. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I would like that to be my sole source of income and my, I guess, avenue to preach health and fitness and healthy eating and healthy training to the world. Yep, nice. And no doubt you probably got yourself a few connections over there while you're playing with the uh, big boys over there with the American footy. Yeah, most definitely. So I've got a, a lot of names and contacts uh, specifically in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. Um, and I, I would love to uh, do some collaboration with them and, and learn from them again. Because um, I guess you can never stop learning and the more I learn from those experts over there, yeah, the more I'll be able to give back to others. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Well, I'd like to say, um, just for me personally, um, as a mate and also from someone who's guided you professionally in the past, that, um, you know, it's been very ballsy telling your story. And um, I want to just honour that because I realise that it's much easier to, you know, hide behind the facade yeah. than it is to come out and say, you know what, guys, I've suffered and I've come through it and this is what I've got to offer. So yep. um, just an acknowledgement for you, mate. That's brilliant. Hope everyone's enjoyed the show. Um, Josh is available if you want or need him. And um, we'll see you next time on Caravan Conversations. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.